God some praise? Do you want to be closer to him? Amen. Let's give God some praise. If he's kept you in the midnight hour, it'll make you want to be closer to him. We give God praise to, we give God praise for this privilege to preach his word today. To Pastor Venice in his absence, who uh, deserves a well day off. Hope he's relaxing and getting the much needed rest that he needs to my brothers in the ministry. I want to say I love y'all. As Corny was talking about me preaching for 20 years, we figured out it was around 1983, 1984 when I first started preaching. So we are coming up on 30 years. Pastor Venice and I came up and Donnie and, you know, about the same wave about that time. And we're just thankful for God for his faithfulness to my beautiful wife. Thank you. We thank you for who you are. Sometimes as preachers, we can get a little strange sometimes. Get a little impatient because we're wrestling with what we got to do. And I'm just thankful for her patience. And to my son, uh, Myron, who's back in the sound booth, I want to say that we are really proud of you. Yes, we are. <clears throat> I, was, uh, I was out of town and when he gave his testimony and uh, about what he'd been through being falsely arrested, being charged with a first-degree felony of theft that he didn't do. And I just want to say that he has his own testimony now. And he has his own purpose. So we're so proud of what the Lord has brought him through. And we do want to acknowledge the uh, Memorial Day weekend for the freedoms that we share in this country. See, we don't really know what it's like to have an external enemy. We don't know what it's like. We don't know what it's like to have bombs dropped in your neighborhood. That's why 9-11 was such a shock to us. When you got to go to a bomb shelter that's building your backyard because bombs are dropping. We, we don't experience that. And we think we're going through because they cut our cable off. Hey, child, I'm going through. They cut my cable off. My hoopty won't start up. You think you're going through? My, my, my. We won't be long today. We know it's Memorial Day weekend. And 
I know the grill masters. How many grill masters I got in the house today? I know what you're thinking about. Your meat being marinated. Your ribs got seasoning salt on them, and you didn't put Italian dressing on them, and they're soaking. So we won't be we won't be long today. Let us consider the text in Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. Who needs a word today? Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Acts chapter 1, the scripture is up on the screen. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. Verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they entered, they went up into the upper room where they, where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about this morning. It's countdown time. I want to talk about it's countdown time. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we... come to you right now. Father, you said your grace is sufficient and that you're strongest when we are weak. Father, I am weak today. Paul said, I will boast in my weakness so that you may rest upon me. Father, speak today to your people. Speak through your servant. Speak to your servant. Father, let your word touch today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. During the past 20 years or so, the space shuttle program, which is not in operation right now, was successful over the last 20 years. We had something like five different shuttles, and 
doing those shuttles, I think they averaged four to five times a year for the last 20 years that they orbited up in space. And they were pretty successful with the exception of two shuttles. The Challenger, it disintegrated going up within the first two minutes. And some of y'all remember that? And then the Columbia disintegrated when it returned into the Earth's atmosphere. But what I want to talk about and what I want us to focus on is that the shuttle's uh, countdown clock is, was one of the most watched timepieces in the world. You know, during the countdown to blast off, there are certain milestones to watch for during the countdown. That's when you hear them say that it's T minutes 43 and counting. And then you will hear them say that it's T 30 minutes and holding. There are certain procedures and processes when they're holding that has to be incorporated in order for the blast off, the takeoff to be successful. You know, at T27 minutes and counting, they began to load up the fuel silages with uh, nitrogen. At T6 hours and counting, the director, he gets a weather report and so on and so on. And it gets down to at T9 minutes, they, and they start the auxiliary power on the shuttle. And then at T2 minutes and counting, the crew members uh, are, have come out and they're already in, but they are locking in with their visors. They're putting their safety harnesses on and they're locking into the shuttle. And then at T50 seconds, they transfer from ground power to internal power. And at T16 seconds, the launch pad is activated. At T10 seconds, the main engines, they start the thrust. And then at zero, the rocket boosters take off, and you see the shuttle take off into the air. In the ascension of Jesus. See, we talk about, we talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But we don't talk about the ascension too much. But I want you to know that our Lord ascended. When it was time, he had a mission. And once his mission was accomplished on earth, our Lord got up. He, he spent 40 days here after the resurrection, but it was time for him to go, and he took off in a cloud. And the disciples were standing there, and the disciples watched them take off in the cloud, and two angels came down who was around the disciples, and they said to the disciples, men, why are you staying gazing up? This same Jesus, this same Jesus who died on the cross, this same Jesus who got up on Sunday morning, this same Jesus is coming back again. We don't talk about the ascension that much. We don't teach about the ascension that much. But I'm telling you, the ascension is just as important as the resurrection. Because if Jesus don't go up, the Holy Spirit can't come down. Preachers, you know, you know, you know, and it's not nothing wrong with that. You know how we like to close when we close out a sermon? We go to the cross. Oh, yeah, and we tune it up. We say he died on a Friday. 
it was about noonday when they hung him up there. And we go and we tune it up and we say, he stayed there all day Saturday. You know how we tune it up, preachers. And then we get to Sunday morning. We kick our legs up and we say, Ellie. Sunday morning, he got up, and then the next thing you know, Jesus is in heaven. We don't talk about the ascension. The book of Acts, chapter 1, and the whole book of Acts is a sequel to the gospel of Luke. Luke has now written his gospel, and now... He wrote in the Gospel of Luke about what Jesus done and taught. Now he's writing about the history. And he's writing about the history of what the disciples and we are to do. We are to do what Jesus did to do and to teach. Luke 24 and 49 is a, is a very pivotal text. Luke 24 and 49 is a crucial text because... These are the, among the last words that Jesus said after the cross. We preach about what he said before the cross. And he said that he tells his disciples to wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You see, Matthews 28, 19 tells them to go ye teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. But in Luke, he says, go and wait. Go and wait in Jerusalem. You see, but I, I want you to think about this. Jerusalem, that's a challenge for them. Well, why is that a challenge, preacher? You see, sometimes we just read on the surface of the Bible and we don't look dig into, deep into the Bible. Jerusalem is enemy territory. Jerusalem is where they arrested Jesus. Jerusalem is where they hung him on the cross. These men were Galileans. But Jesus tells them to wait in Jerusalem. Tracy was sharing with me the other day, she didn't even know she was sharing, that when Myron was arrested, he got arrested at District 3 up in Price Hill. And she said that she had to go up that way the other day. But when she went past District 3, she said her skin crawled. Because it took her back to what? Seeing our son being brought out in handcuffs. That we didn't raise him to be that way. I remember the officer telling me, well, you know, he just made a mistake that, that, that it'll be all right, that he could take, what was that thing, some kind of program, what was that called? He could take a diversion program. I told the police officer, I didn't raise my son to take a diversion program. I raised my son to be the best that he can be. If he want to be the president, that's the way I raised my son. I didn't raise my son. These disciples had to wait in Jerusalem. These disciples had to wait in enemy territory. 
He don't tell them how long to wait. He just says, wait. See, waiting is hard on the flesh. See, in your spirit, you can wait. But in your flesh, the flesh, it's the hardest thing on the flesh is to wait. And sometimes you have to wait. You have to wait until your change comes. Another thing that's happened when you're waiting, that's when the enemy loves to attack you. He loves to kick you when you're down. If he can put his foot on your neck in a state of waiting, he's going to. But our Lord and Savior taught us how to wait. He taught us how to do battle against the enemy while we're waiting. You see, 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 Satan, Satan was trying to get Jesus when he was 40 days in the desert. When he was 40 days of being hungry, he was fasting in the desert. And Satan comes to Jesus and says, I know you're hungry because I've been watching you. You've been fasting. He said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus told him, said, say, 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 man should not live on bread alone, but, but every word that proceeds is out of the mouth of God. And then he takes him up on the temple and says, jump, since you, since you say you, who, who you say you are. Jump. And the angels, they say, will come save you. And then he tells Jesus, just bow down and, and serve me, and I'll give you this kingdom that you see. And see, here's what I'm so glad about. This is what makes me want to keep preaching about that. Jesus did not take a, 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 a crossless kingdom. You ought to be shouting about that too. Jesus didn't take a crossless kingdom. Because when Satan offered him that, Jesus was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. See, sometimes you got to pay the cost. And sometimes as Christians, we want a crossless, a crossless Christianity. We don't want to do what it takes to get through what where Jesus is trying to take us through. We want crossless marriages. We want crossless careers. We want to go straight to the top. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't take a crossless kingdom. He told him, Jesus, point two is that there was a countdown to unity. The purpose for the wait before they received power from on high was that he wanted to see them be one. In John 17, he said, I pray, Father, that you make them one as you and I are one. See, we don't have unity in our churches the way we need to have. See, it, 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 it takes, and what Jesus was saying to them was, before I give you power from on high, I got to see y'all together. You see, because God is not about division. He's about unity. And if we're going to tear Satan's kingdom down, we got to be together. 
See, Satan ain't worried about us tearing his kingdom down because we ain't together. He got us fighting among one another. He got us killing one another. He got us, today, we'll be going out of here talking about one another. The Lord is giving us opportunity today. I believe that's what he's doing. I believe that's one reason he ain't came back yet. He's given us an opportunity to have unity. And then there was a countdown to prayer. The Bible says that they came into the upper room to pray together. They prayed together for one thing. They prayed for the promise of the Spirit. See, we need to come together and pray for one thing. We're praying about praying for everything else. We, everybody got the agenda while they're praying. But they prayed for one thing. There are 120 people in the room. But they're all praying for one thing. And there was the only woman that's in the text, when you look at it, was named Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, that says something very special. Jesus' mother was in the room. Here's a woman that was filled with the Spirit of God. Here's a woman that was filled when the Spirit came upon her. But yet, she went to prayer meeting to pray to the son that she gave birth to. In other words, it makes no difference uh, what we think our spiritual heights are. It makes no thick difference of how spiritual we think we are or what position that you hold in church. And I'm preaching to myself, too. It makes no difference if you the a pastor, an assistant to the pastor, a minister, a deacon, a choir man. It makes no difference. We all need to pray. Now, you might say, oh, well, Rev, I, I pray at home. I pray individually. But that ain't what they did in the text. They prayed together. Wednesday nights, we had prayer meeting, and I'm preaching to myself, too. We need to come together and pray. I know I ain't going to get too many claps on that. I know I wasn't going to get too many claps on that. But we need to come together. And we need to pray together. The Bible says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways then will they hear from heaven. There were probably other women that were in the room. The Bible shows that there were 11 disciples, two candidates to replace Judas and Mary. That's 14 people. Then that means that the other 106 were not named. And there probably were some other women that were in the room. Maybe the woman with the issue of blood was in that prayer room. Maybe Lazarus, who was dead for four years, for four days, and he was raised from the dead, maybe Lazarus was in that room. Maybe the blind man in John 9, who'd been blind his whole life, and Jesus spit on the ground and, and made clay and, and took the clay and put it on his eyes and told him, to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And, and, and when they came and they, and they asked, and they was asking Jesus, they was asking this blind man what happened. He said, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. 
It's a countdown. It's a countdown today, church. I know this ain't no jumping hallelujah message, but this is a serious message that everything we're doing is on the clock right now. It was also a countdown for God's appointment. After the prayer meeting, the Bible says that Peter stood up and he talked about Judas, who betrayed Jesus. It was time to do his replacement. And so they cast lots in that chapter one, but God was orchestrating the lots and here they have Matthias and Justice, and Matthias is selected to replace Judas. See, the purpose to replace Judas was so that they would have, again, 12 disciples. See, the Bible has certain things it speaks to in numbers as far as 12s. That was important. That was an important divine reason to replace Judas, because there are 12 tribes of Israel. There were 12 apostles. There are 12 gates to the city. There are 12 foundations in the city, so it was time to replace Judas. So they, so they select Matthias, and that lets me know that God has a replacement system. No one, no one in the church is indispensable. No one in the church can't be replaced. Judas, Judas hung himself, but he was replaced. No one in the church is absolutely necessary. We must understand, we must understand that we can be replaced. We must understand that it's a privilege. It's an honor. It's the grace of God that allows you to do what you do in the church. Do not think for one minute, if I'm in the choir, if I stop singing, that the choir is going to go down. Do not think, if I'm a preacher, if I stop coming and quit preaching, that the church is not going to have a word. Do not think, if you stop giving your money and say, I don't like what they're doing over there, do not think that the church finances will go down. Because God is in control of the church, and he will replace what he needs to replace. He will divide what he needs to divide. On a personal note, when somebody drops out of your life, your life is not over. God will replace. He has a replacement system. Whether it's in a marriage, you know, he does hate divorce. But because somebody leaves you, your life is not over. And as much as it hurts when somebody dies, they could be dear to your, heart, to, to your heart, but your life is not over. God has a way of comforting you. God has a way of keeping you in a moment where you can go on. I see people say, I want to jump in the grave. No, you don't. Let's get to the text, and we're going to go on home. The ascension 
is so important. You see, while Jesus goes to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to earth. Jesus says, if I don't go, see, I got to go, Jesus was saying. See, my mission here is complete. And you got to understand, church, God has you on different missions. There are certain things that he has for you to do. And some of the stuff don't take a lifetime. There are several missions as Christians that God would assign us to. But his mission at this time saying, I got to go to heaven because all my work down here is done. But he said, if I don't go, the comforter won't come. The ascending is an indication that he will send the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 8 of chapter 1. It says, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost had come. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, if you're going to do what God, what Jesus did, if you're going to teach what, his taught, what he taught, you need power. You need strength. You need the Holy Ghost inside of you. The Holy Ghost says something that just shows up on Sunday morning and make you flip over benches. We got the wrong perception of what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost is an enabler that enables you to do that which you're not capable of doing. I can't preach without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is at work right now. You can't preach without the Holy Ghost. You can't teach without the Holy Ghost. You can't live. Holy Ghost ain't about you speaking in tongues and all that. The Holy Ghost is about being effective in the kingdom of God. That's what it allows you to do. It allows you to be effective. It allows you to go to your job with somebody talk about you that, that, that you can look and see the bigger picture and say, no, I'm not coming down on a level. It allows you. It allows you to develop relationships with, with folks because you can see the Holy Ghost will give you insight into their lives. So, you know, you don't have to hit them over the head with the Bible. Just, just, just get to know them. Just be kind to them. Just ask somebody how they doing. That's why, that's why, that's why the three in ministry is so important. It's not about these walls. Some of us think we need to do something because we came to church on Sunday. Let me tell you something, like you're doing God a favor. You ain't doing God no favor by coming in here. The Holy Spirit is about, is about ministry. It's about being effective. It's about telling people and showing them, meeting them where they are, but taking them where they need to be through Jesus Christ. It's impossible to do that without the Holy Ghost. It takes power from on high to do what Jesus did. It takes power from on high to teach what Jesus taught. The Holy Ghost empowers us to do that which we're not capable of doing. It's countdown time. Look at, look at, look at, look at, we're going to look at this and we're going to the house. Look at the text in verse 9 through 11. After Jesus is sinned, He's going up. It's blast off. He's on his way to heaven. 
The disciples are looking up. They keep looking up and up and up to the angels. See, God knows what we need when we need it. The angels come down and tap one of them on the shoulder and say, hey, dude. He probably say, what up, dog? Why you keep looking up? Why, why are you looking up? Why are you standing here gazing up? See, Jesus didn't tell them to stay there and gaze up. He told them to go. And that's the problem with a lot of us. Too many of us are sitting around looking up, and we need to be going. We need to be about our father's business, but we, but we are standing here looking up. But the angels told them, say, you don't need to be looking up. You need to go. You see, he told us that, 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 that he told us to go, and we're standing here gazing. We need to stop being gazers and start being witnesses. That's what we need to stop doing. We're looking at everything else that we ain't got no business looking at. Oh, that's a shame. What's going on over there? Well, you gazing over there. Why don't you be a witness over there? Stand up and be a witness for the Lord. People are being gunned down in our communities, and we're gazing. We need to start doing what Jesus did and start teaching what Jesus taught. As I go to my close, the ascension indicated the sending of the Holy Ghost. The disciples were waiting on the Holy Ghost to come down. They were waiting for the Spirit to come down. Now, now, now they were waiting. But we don't have that excuse today. We don't have that excuse for not going. You see, we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost. He's already here. He's here right now. The Holy Spirit has already been given. See, the countdown for the Holy Spirit coming is already down to zero. We sing songs like, send it down, Lord. Send it down. Send your Holy Spirit. We need to quit singing that. The Holy Spirit is already here. Why are you, why are you singing, send it down? He's already here. He's here right now. Well, the Spirit has already come down. It came down 2,000 years ago. Now it's time for us to go. You see, the next countdown is not the ascending of Jesus, but it's the next countdown is the return of Jesus. Jesus says about the next countdown, See, people can tell you that he's coming back. Yeah, he is coming back. You got some people telling you when he's coming back. But the word of God says no man, no woman, no man, no woman knows the day of the hour when the Son of Man shall return. So since it's countdown time, we don't know when the big apple is going to drop. We don't know when he's coming back. I know T.D. Jakes, Jakes said, get ready, get ready, get ready. I know he says that, but Jesus says, be ready, be ready, be ready. We need to be ready. You see, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. You see, I want to live every day. We got to live every day in a state of readiness. You know, we used to, uh, I was a manager, and 
we had housekeeping tours, and, and, when, and, when, and when the big bosses came, we were running around the place, wiping down machines. We were running over here, throwing stuff, hiding it, because we didn't want the big boss to see our place in a mess. But see, we got to the place where we stayed housekeeping ready. So, because we did something every day to clean up the shop. We wiped down machines. Somebody know what I'm talking about. We take our, our material and put it where it's supposed to be. We had a red tag area where we put our junk in that we didn't leave no more. Well, I'm here to tell you today, we need to be ready when Jesus comes. You need to have your house in order. You ain't got no business running around trying to clean up when he comes. You're going to miss the boat. You see, Jesus said to be ready, which means I need to stay ready. I need to stay in a state of readiness. See, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. See, my soul yearns for his return. See, because one of these days I'm going to wear a crown. I'm going to wear a crown when he returns. One of these days, the countdown will be counted off. One of these days, we will no longer live in time, but we will live in eternity. You see, one of these days, Gabriel was going to blow his horn, and he he's going to declare that time once was will be no more. No longer will there be a countdown when he returns. No longer do we have to worry about sickness and health when he's returned. You see, no longer do we have to worry about counting down. Because when he returns, we're going to bow down. I'm going to bow down. I won't have to count down. You see, we're going to thank him. I'm going to bow down and thank him for bringing me all the way. I'm going to thank him for bringing me through the trials and the tribulations. I'm going to thank him because he bought me. I'm going to thank him because he taught me. You see, when he comes back, I'm going to bow down. Because you know what? Not only I'm going to bow down, but every knee, every knee on the earth, below the earth, above the earth, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to fast that Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus, he's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's been good to me. He's Lord. He kept my family. He's Lord. He saved me. He's Lord. I was sinking deep in sin. I was far from the peaceful shores, looking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, one day the master of the sea heard my cry. And it was love, it was love, it was love, it was love, it was love. It was love. Good God Almighty, it was love. It was love that kept me when I couldn't keep myself. It was love that It's countdown time. It's countdown time. Can you be counting on? Are you going to be ready when Jesus comes? Oh, 
What a time. What a time. What a time. I got a mother over there. I got a father over there. And I want to see them. But most of all, most of all, most of all, Doors of the church are open. Scout down time, Bert. 